Dear congregation, last week we looked at this passage in Philippians 2, but this week we want to look at these similar verses from verse 12 through 16, but now with a view to self-examination as we're coming to a week of preparation for the Lord's Supper, and as we anticipate that, we are called to examine our own lives. Paul makes clear that we're called to do this before attending the Lord's table. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so as we anticipate the celebration of the Lord's Supper next week, we examine ourselves with the intent that we may eat and drink at the Lord's table. And so our theme for this morning is examining our conduct. We looked at this passage and saw how it really emphasizes the, either the, the conduct and the character of the person. And so here we're called to, like, we, our theme is examine, examining our conduct. And the first thought is, for what purpose? What's the purpose for examination? Well, first we understand that unbelievers are not able to attend the Lord's table. The Lord's table is meant only for believers, for children of God. It's a meal of, of fellowship. It's a meal in the presence of God. And so the table, it symbolizes the holiness of God, the, the, the presence of God. And we're reminded that, that He is holy and that He is entirely separate from sin. And so our, our sins need to be dealt with before we are able to come into the presence of God. And so unbelievers cannot come because they are said to be still in their sins. And so with the Lord's table, there is always that visible, even though it's an incomplete distinction, even within the church of those who are in Christ and those who are still living for their own account. But then secondly, believers must also not come if there are still such unresolved sins in our lives and sins that we knowingly continue in. Believers must never come with it with a careless attitude to the Lord's Supper, but there must be a realization of what the sacrament is and its purpose and its meaning. And so we need to have this mind, as Paul says in verse 12, that even with fear and trembling we must do this. That is, with, with a reverence and with a awe, being afraid of offending God, we must be able to come only to Him in Christ. And so as you look at this passage again, in verse 12, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And if there is faith and repentance in our hearts and lives, that will be evident as you begin to, to work that out in your life. It will produce a, a diligence in your walk of life. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, he says, For godly sorrow produces repentance 
leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe this very thing, that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what, what diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what desire, what zeal, what vindication. And so it, it produces a diligence in our life as Christians. And so Paul says here, then, work out your own salvation. And this word salvation is really using, or emphasizing the aspect of sanctification. The sanctification in the life of the believer. That sanctification is, is worked out by the grace of God in your heart. As, as verse 13 says, we, God works in you to will, to desire, and to do of His good pleasure. And so when, when you are saved, you, you are delivered from the power of sin, and, but there is still that indwelling sin. You're not made entirely free from sin. And the purpose of sanctification is to put sin to death, to purge out that, that sin, and, and to be conformed to the mind and to the image of Christ. And so God gives that diligent effort, that desire in your hearts and lives to work that out in your entire life. And so you, you fight a good fight of faith, as Paul says. You, you run that race with diligence, and you battle against the enemies. But secondly, then we see the importance of self-examination. The importance of self-examination. Paul writes in verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out that salvation. And he, he begins by saying, therefore, or, or it means so then, my beloved. And, and he's connecting here with what he said earlier about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, he calls them my beloved, beloved of Christ, loved by Christ and fellow believers in Christ. And he says, so then, since Christ here has given you an example by His voluntary obedience, and since you receive your strength and grace from God, from Christ through His Holy Spirit to work, both to will and to do, therefore work this out in your life. And he says there in verse 12, be obedient to God, not just when He is around, not just when others are, are watching you, but he says, much more in my absence. So we don't obey just because other people are looking at us. Often that can be a motive, but we are to obey for God. Paul would no longer be able to be there to, to encourage them and to guide them and to teach them. But he was telling the Philippians that need, they needed to rely on God, on God alone. And then the, the desire of your heart is, is what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 19, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Your desire is that your, your, the thoughts of your heart even are acceptable to God because you live in the sight of God. Even though other people might see how you act and live, God looks at the heart. And at the table of the Lord, we are drawing 
near to God. It's communion with God, along with the fellowship of believers. And so Paul is saying here, live obedient lives much more in my absence because you are living in the sight of the all-seeing God. And so self-examination here is focused on ourselves. How do we live before God when nobody else is looking? How is it between me and God? How is it between me and others in this world, other believers and other non-believers? And Paul here, he encourages the Philippians, and he says, as you have always obeyed. He saw something in them. He saw the work of God there. And so he says, let this be now the characteristic of your life, even when I am not around. And so his emphasis here is strongly on the unity of the body of Christ, the church. Obedience to God, having the mind of Christ, doing all things without complaining and without arguing. Because, because he says your, your life is, is a display here, a display of the unity of the Spirit of Christ. It is a display of the fruit of the union of your union with Christ. That's how you shine in this world. And it's especially at the Lord's table where that is, where it's emphasized. And so do our lives then testify of what this table is to display. Because at this table we, we remember the Lord's death until He comes. But the working out of that salvation in our lives in obedience to His will it testifies of that spiritual life that you have received through his death. And so he says, much more in my absence, but in the sight of God, is that obedience evidence in your hearts and lives? Is God working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure? This is what we need to seek but then thirdly, there is a distinction. Self-examination uncovers a clear distinction. Because Scripture makes clear, a clear distinction between the children of God and the children of this world, between children of light and the children of darkness. And Paul says in verse 14 that you are living in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. And we saw that last Lord's Day. I believe that we, that we considered it the crooked life, that it refers to that crooked conduct. And the perverse refers to their character. Those who live crooked lives show that their heart is perverse. Just like a bad tree can't produce good fruit, a perverse and sinful heart cannot live in obedience to God and his laws. There is no desire to do so. And everyone is called to examine themselves first here because 1 John 3 says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. That means they do not continue in living in sin. Because if we continue living in unrepented sin, John says we've neither seen him nor known him. In Romans 8, verse 9, Paul says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. 
if we do not have His Spirit working in us to desire and to do His will, and we are not united to Christ by faith, then we're still at enmity with God, and then we cannot please Him. And that's why Paul says we must examine ourselves in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know, he says, that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified or, or reprobates? That even if we can fool others, we, we, we stand before God ultimately. We can't fool Him. And so we, Paul explains what this crooked conduct looks like. In 1 Corinthians 6, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Here's a list of the crooked conduct. In Galatians 5, he also says, The works of the flesh are evidence, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions or or disunity, heresies, envies and murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is a life that evidences itself of what is in the heart. And those who practice, those who continue living in such crooked lives, show that they're perverse in their hearts and they're at enmity with God. Not obedient to God and His law, but they resist, they they complain, they argue with God's will. And the reason is, Romans 8 says, because the carnal mind is enmity with God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they're not willing to obey God, not willing even to hear the message of salvation that we are called to repentance. They're not willing to repent and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And John says that this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, and so they run from the light. And so when we are confronted with God's Word and with God's law, what is our response? Do we run and hide? Do we fight it? Do we suppress it? Do we argue with it? Because if this is true, then, then God still calls us to repent and to believe. Because then we certainly cannot partake of the Lord's Supper, because then we are not children of God. And then our heart is not right with God. But God continues to say, why will you die? Why will you turn? When, why, why will you continue when there's forgiveness with God, when there's eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ? The purpose of the law is not to make you live miserable, not to make you give, give you a miserable life, but that you'll see what God requires of you, but especially what God provides for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says, then turn and come. 
But then fourthly, self-examination reveals, and specifically in believers, we'll see five things that it reveals in believers. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And so here, Paul is especially calling believers to examine themselves so that we can come to the table in the right manner. And so we do not come with unresolved sins in our lives or, or with a careless attitude. See, the Lord's Supper is given to strengthen your faith, to strengthen your resolve and your obedience to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so first, we see that self-examination reveals a carefulness in you. It reveals a carefulness in your life because of your fear and reverence for a holy God. You recognize who He is as in His absolute holiness, while at the same time you realize the remaining corruption that is in your heart. Examination brings us face to face with the reality that we don't want to see. We don't want to examine ourselves to these depths, partly because of the hard work, but partly because of what we find. Without self-examination, we don't learn to see what sins and corruptions really remain in our hearts that need to be resolved with God and between each other. Because if we continue living in sin or if we're living in in disputes or divisions and we're unwilling to turn from them in repentance, then we also must refrain from the table. But secondly, self-examination reveals your character. Verse 15, Paul says that you may become blameless and harmless, the children of God. Just like the crooked lives cannot be hid and reveals the character of their heart, so also the blameless conduct and lives of God's children cannot be hidden, which will reveal the harmless character of your heart. Even though we can also often be weak and fearful, even if faith is small, and we don't seem to find much fruit, a good tree will begin to produce good fruit. And just like we, any tree, it begins off small, and even though there's no fruit initially, it, it's growing, and the intent of the tree is to develop into a mature tree that will begin to produce fruit. And so there's a, there's a beginning, there's a, a desire for obedience to God in your heart. And your hope and your encouragement, even as Paul gives to the Philippians here, is that you're not left to yourself. But you find the grace of God working in you, as verse 13 says, giving you a desire and the ability to do God's will. Your hope and your trust is in Christ. And you live by the Spirit of God as children of God. And then there's fruit of a blameless life and harmless character that will begin to form. Galatians 5 gives the fruit of the Spirit, 
saying it's love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against these there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. These are fruits that are produced by the Spirit working in His people. And so if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, he says. But thirdly, self-examination reveals the reality that we're not blameless in ourselves. Paul says here in, in verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless. We don't come to the table because we are perfectly blameless. No Christian is made entirely perfect in this world. But Romans 8 calls us to walk in the Spirit. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we're called to live a perfect life being led by the Spirit. But this also reveals that we are not perfect, not blameless in ourselves. And so this reveals, it makes us realize first who we were once were. Once living a fully crooked life in those sins. And this shows us that we are still capable of such sins in our own life. Because we see the remaining sins rising up in our hearts. And this produces a humbling and a loathing of the hearts. We recognize we don't reach that level of perfection that God requires of us. But we also recognize with a gratitude and with a fear that if God does not keep us, we could still be going down those paths in which we once lived. And so that fear and trembling comes realizing that we are held only by God but also that we deserve just punishment for who we have been and still are. But fourthly, self-examination reveals your hold on Christ. See, self-examination is not mainly to see what sins you have committed or what sins you are still prone to do. But self-examination really searches whether you believe the promises of God that all those sins are now forgiven for the sake of Christ. Paul says that you may become. And you say, how? Well, a little further he says, holding fast the word of life. Well, who is the word? Well, Christ. Holding fast to Jesus Christ. He is the light. He is the light of the world. He is the life of the world. And when you examine yourselves and you see your sin and corruption and you deserve eternal punishment, you flee to Christ again and again. He is your refuge. There is forgiveness with Him. And there you find peace for your conscience. And there you find strength and hope in His promises. Because what do you see there? You see in Him the blameless and harmless Son of God. And so self-examination is meant to reveal your hold on Christ. Because if you're not fleeing to Christ, then where are you going? 
If you're not holding on to Him, what do you have to hold on to? If your self-examination does not drive you to Christ, then where are you going? Because if it does not lead us there, then first we need to learn to go there before we can come to the table. But the Lord's Supper proclaims the Lord's death until He comes. And you come to the table only because of the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And there God receives you as children because He sees the blameless conduct and harmless character of Jesus Christ imputed to you, those who hold on to Christ with that saving faith, receive the imputation of Christ's righteousness, that blameless conduct, and that harmless character. And so, fifthly, self-examination reveals obedience even in the absence of others. You desire to live blameless before God. You find in yourself a determination, a diligence, mixed with fear and trembling to live in obedience to God. As Peter says in 2 Peter, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And your prayer always is, do not let me go, Lord, because I live by the strength of God's grace alone. And so Paul says, as you have always obeyed in verse 12, there will be a life of obedience. A life of obedience out of love and gratitude to God. A striving, knowing that God is working this in you to keep you, to teach you, to enable you, and to guide you. And there you see that God gave His Son to do what you could not do, to live that blameless life that you could not live and to pay for the sins which you have committed. And so not as, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's evidence of your diligence before God that you're working out this salvation before God, not just before others, because that is what God loves, and that is what you love. But then lastly and fifthly, self-examination produces results. Paul said, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight: let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and drink. And so the purpose is so that you can come into the presence of God rightly examined, rightly coming by faith, rightly trusting in the righteousness of Christ alone, able to receive the elements given in the sacrament to strengthen your faith. And so the result of self-examination should be that you'll be determined to grow in the grace and the knowledge of this Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to grow in obedience to Him that you may become blameless and harmless, the children of God without fault. And so we see first, uh, there is, uh, self-examination results in a greater appreciation for the love of God. The only reason we can be called the children of God is because 
of the love of God himself. That's what John says in 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And so he says later on, we love him because he first loved us. And the evidence of that sonship, of being children of God, is that you are becoming harmless and blameless in character and conduct in the midst of a world that hates Christians. You shine as lights because there's that contrast between the children of light and the children of darkness. But the love of God is what constrains you to obedience, to do all things without complaining or arguing. It results in a greater appreciation of the love of God for unworthy sinners like we are. But secondly, it results in a greater desire to attend the table of the Lord for the strengthening of your faith. This table is to remember the Lord's death and to strengthen your faith in Christ. And so the examination is not meant to discourage us, but to reveal that we seek our life outside of ourselves because we acknowledge we don't have this blameless and harmless conduct ourselves. In fact, we have to confess our many sins and our corruptions, but we believe that God is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, and that as you seek your life in Christ, in his perfect righteousness alone, you can be assured that what he has begun in you, he will continue till the end. And so the result then of that examination should be that you can draw near to the Lord's table next week, knowing that you can do so with the smile of God's favor resting upon you, knowing that he sees you not for what remains in you, not for your remaining weaknesses, but only as you are found there in Christ. Beloved of Christ, and therefore beloved of God. Knowing that the only way to approach God is to be without sin, perfectly holy, blameless, and without fault. But here he shows you that he sees you not for your sins, but he sees you as if you have never committed any sins, nor had any sins, only because of Jesus Christ who stood in your place. And so I need this table to be strengthened in my faith, to know that God sees me in Christ as his children, to see and be reminded that he receives us as his own, only because of Christ and his perfect righteousness, of his blameless conduct, of his harmless character. And then lastly, thirdly, it results in a greater resting in Christ, holding fast to him as your life. Because Christ lived that blameless life on your behalf. Christ maintained a harmless and sinless character in this life. Christ laid down his life as the Lamb of God without blemish so that you can be washed and become harmless and blameless, the children of God without fault. And the table here shows his death till he comes again, 
do this in remembrance of him. And so God works in you, and you rest in Christ as your life, as your peace with God. It produces results in a greater resting in Christ as the only place where you find acceptance with God and the only place where you receive His Spirit for the sanctifying of your life, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. May that be our focus this week as we seek to examine our own lives in anticipation of coming to the table of the Lord. Amen.